Hello and welcome to Marvel Vision, a Marvel Studios podcast brought to you by Cinema Sangha. My name is Devin Faraci, and I'm one of the hosts of this program. Joining me as he does every single week. My name is Derek Faraci, and I am the Ayatollah of Rock and Rolla. How are you, Devin? I am tired. We recorded a four-hour episode of Watchmen last night. I'm fucking exhausted. It wiped me out, like, really hard. We're doing a, a a podcasting marathon this weekend. We did an episode of The Bad Batch on Friday. We did Watchmen last night, and we're doing this on Sunday night. And I am fundamentally wiped out. Yes. Yeah. This, uh, this bodes well for the episode, huh? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you know, you, you're three hours behind, so at least you had... It wasn't as late for you, I suppose. It wasn't as late for me, but then I got up this morning, I had to do school, and then I had to go to my day job, and now I have to go do this. Yeah, <laughs> I, also, I also had to do... You had to do work today, too. Yeah. yeah. Did you get to watch all the episodes? You said you wanted to sit down and no. watch... No, I did not have the time. Did you watch any of them? Uh, I watched the first episode again, but mm-hmm. that's all I had the time for. And yeah, obviously, the final episode I watched again, right. but that's it. I'm about to open a Dr. Pepper Zero Sugar. There you go. <laughs> Have you had this, the Dr. Pepper Zero Sugar? I do not like Dr. Pepper. Oh, well, then this would not be the drink for you. No. No. Uh, it's good. It tastes like Dr. Pepper. Yeah, I don't trust uh, doctors, so I'm not going to drink what they tell me to drink. He doesn't have a real degree. Um, it uh, it tastes really good, and I was drinking Diet Dr. Pepper a lot. My two drinks are – my drinks are um, bubbly. Do you, do you drink bubbly? No. The sparkling water? No. I drink bubbly. This is the kind of sparkling water that seltzer that has like a hint of flavor in it, you know? Yeah. Um, I like the cherry bubbly. But I drink a lot. I was drinking for a long time a lot of Diet Sprite. Okay. Like a lot of Diet Sprite. Like that was like my drink. Um, yeah. And then Diet Dr. Pepper. And uh, they both have really chemically tastes. And now Dr. Pepper Zero Sugar has less of a chemical taste and more of a classic Dr. Pepper's taste. It's pretty That's wild. Good. It's probably giving me brain cancer, but um, I'll take it. Hey, what are you going to do? We're all going to go anyway. Yeah. I mainly drink uh, Diet Coke and water. Those are my drinks. And I, mean, I drink a lot of water. I have I have this um, – my college sent me this um, this bottle, to this, this water bottle, and I drink out of it all day every day. Yeah. yeah. It's my ASU School of Historical, Philosophical, and Religious Studies bottle. It's a lot of stuff to say in a bottle. It is. It is a lot of stuff to say in a bottle. Um so Drink they the just, knowledge. They just sent it to me one day out of nowhere, and so nice. I, I I like to carry it around. And I don't. I, I just carry it on the house. It's like in the house yeah. wherever I wherever yeah. I am. Uh, I have a house bottle and I have an outside bottle. Nice. Yes. Look mainly at the outside bottle is really mainly for the gym when I go to right. the gym. You the gym to, bottle, really. Yeah. Yeah. Look at us, bottle boys. Yep, saving the saving the planet by reusing bottles. Uh, I mean, I'm going through a lot of cans, so I don't know. How yeah, much I didn't want to bring up my can problem, but because <laughs> I do go through a lot of Diet Coke cans. But I, well, you know what I, I do in my cans is I leave them out for the homeless because we well, have homeless folks. Idea. Yeah, we have homeless folks that come through the garbage looking for um, recyclables anyway. Yeah. So I package my cans separately. Anything that's okay. refundable, I cap, I package separately and I leave it by the garbage. So that this part, whoever it is that comes by, doesn't have to go through garbage to get my stuff. Yeah, that's really nice. I like that. And so it requires no effort on my part. Yeah, yeah, but it's helpful for them, right? Like, yeah, I imagine it's like a, nice. it's it's nice for these folks who are digging through garbage in the middle of the night looking yeah. to redeem nickel cans. I mean, like, 
if I can make it a little bit easier for somebody who's doing that um, at, at minimal to no cost to me. Yeah. No, that's nice. Sure, why not? I imagine there's at least one or two people who like know to check your spot, you know? Well, the thing is that what we do is that we, um, in my street, everybody puts their garbage out on the street. Yeah. So like you, on like pickup day night, night before pickup day, they just put their cans out, their garbage cans out. And I just take my bag of cans to one of the garbage cans from my neighbors and just lay it in front of it. There you go. Very nice. So that and I know every night, like it's not just one person that comes by. There's like a lot of different people that come by on different shifts looking for, through cans. Okay. So there's like some folks that come by like in the early evening, some folks that come by very late at night, some folks that come by very, very early the next morning before the garbage trucks come. So um, I know that somebody's going to – and in fact, every time somebody picks them up, like they're just yeah. gone. So oh, that's good. That's yeah. Good. They're 10 cents here. They're not 5 cents. Damn, Michigan, go. Yeah. Go off, Michigan. Yeah. I remember it was a – was there a Amazing movie? Care. Somebody was talking about a movie. Was it Seinfeld? It was Seinfeld. Yeah, Seinfeld. They drive, they drive to Michigan. Yeah. To redeem their cans because it's a time. <laughs> yeah. And they figure out like how the best way to make money on it and all that. Yeah. All right. Enough about cans and bottles. Um, what kind of uh, Marvel and DC news do we have? Uh, we're going to start with uh, Peacemaker Season 2 is a go. James it's Gunn official. is going to write and direct every episode. So that's pretty huge. And he is also still working on that second DC show. Wow. He did, not, he did not say what it is, but he said that it is uh, close to being ready to be announced. Wow. So that's interesting. My thought. Uh, uh, Curtis 50 Cent Jackson's G Unit is developing a DC movie based on the comic Zero by Christopher Priest and Chris Cross, uh, which is a really interesting comic from quite a long time ago that uh, I'm surprised because it was like a very short-lived series about a uh, hitman, a black hitman who disguises himself as a white guy because it's easier to get around and people pay less attention to him that way. <laughs> it's such a great idea. It's genius. Yeah. <laughs> so now it's going to be a movie. Oh my God. So there you go. So that's exciting. Uh, as we're getting closer to Batman, Matt Reeves has started talking about what he wants to do in a sequel, which includes maybe doing a grounded version of Mr. Freeze, which sounds dull. Yeah, that doesn't seem like a thing you would be interesting. No. He said, like, what is I love the fantastical side of Batman, but this iteration, obviously, while being, to me, I think it is very comics faithful, but I don't think that this is one, uh, this one is necessary, necessarily, it doesn't lean as hard into the fantastical, I guess. But I think, to me, what would be interesting would be to try and unwind a fantastical and see, well, how would that make sense here? And so that's kind of how I view it, how I see it. Sure. Yeah, it's like, like... Have we not had enough of like, oh, this is a real look at Batman? Like, let's do Fantastical. How about that? Let's, let's yeah, do that a little bit. Yeah, I don't, I don't, what, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's a certain point where I've come to understand that a lot of these movies are no longer for me. Yes. Like, I'm going to see them. Like, I can't, I have a compulsion. I'm going to see these movies. Yeah. Um, but they're not really for me anymore. And it's, it's, it's okay. And then I'm yeah. going to, I'm going to see them and I'm going to record a three hour podcast about them. <laughs> And and I imagine I'm going to like the Matt Reeves Batman movie. Yeah, I'm going to like Reeves it too. Is a good filmmaker, and and it's also interesting. That we are getting a fantastical Batman at the same time because all of a sudden we have multiverse Batmans and whatnot going on as well. So we are getting some fantastical Batman stuff 
elsewhere, but it's just I, I like hearing like I want to do Mr. Freeze, but do him real. Like, well, I don't even know what that even Mr. Means. Freeze. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know what a grounded Mr. Freeze is. How did, Unless, is, is he just thinking of like the Arnold Schwarzenegger version of Mr. Freeze? And he's like, I want to do one who's not cracking wise all the time. I don't know. Freeze. <laughs> what was that? Uh, I opened up a thing on my computer and okay. it spoke to me. Terrifying. I'm muted. Uh, uh, maybe it's Mr. Freeze spelled F-R-I-E-Z-E. Maybe. It's the, uh, which is just a, mis- it's a guy who does, um, he does horizontal sculptures on walls. Mm-hmm. Like the, cause that's, that's, that's like the, the sculpture on the wall on the ceiling. Those are called freezes. So maybe that's oh, Mr. Freeze. That's his deal. Go. That's his whole deal. That's what he does. Ha ha, Batman, I've painted the Batcave with these. <laughs> these freezes. Yeah, who knows? Um, uh, all right, what else we got? We've got uh, Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead will be the primary directors of Loki Season 2. They're not going to do every episode, but they'll do most of the episodes. So it seems clear that Moon Knight's good. I would think so, yeah. Yeah. Pretty wild. Pretty wild. Pretty wild watching the, the career of Benson and Moorhead as they started with just their own little micro-budget horror movie, and now they're doing Marvel stuff. It's pretty impressive. Hmm. You know? Uh, it was really, really interesting, and, um, yeah, it's really, it's just, I mean, like, good for them. Yes. One. Two, um, back when I drank, I tried to get into a fist fight, one of those two guys, by the way. Um, that's a story for another time. Um, we, we patched it up, I think. Uh, <laughs> I was a mistake, case of mistaken identity. Uh, uh, two, uh, this obviously means Moon Knight's very, very good. Yes. I mean, that's, that's my big takeaway from this at the end of the day. Yes. Is that they don't hire them back to do the or second in, season of. In, in the least, they, be, they believe Moon Knight is really good and they liked working with them. Yeah. We'll see if Moon Knight's good. We haven't seen it. It's probably pretty good. I mean, I actually think these people have a pretty good sense of what's good and what's not good. Yes. Like, I think that, like, I think they know that Captain Marvel wasn't good. Do you know what I mean? Like, they get it. Like, they, I think they yeah. do honestly get it. And that's why the direction of Captain Marvel 2 is what it is. Even yeah. though that movie made a gazillion dollars, and they could just do the same shit again, and which most exec, execs would do, and just say, well, we're going to make the same movie again or go down the same path. But they yeah. realized, you know what? We need to shake it up because this movie was not that good, and yes. it didn't really work. Which they also so did I mean, with Thor. Like it took them three right. times to figure out a Thor that people would like. But right, and they and they're willing to shake it up. They're really willing to shake it up. So I, you know, I th- I think that that means Moon Knight's good, and I think that this is very good for for Benson and Moorhead, and I am very happy to see them doing well. So, so good for them because I I like their movies. So I'm happy to see them getting a lot of work, and I believe they produced. Um, after Midnight, which was one of my favorite movies of last year. Uh, yeah, I think they were producers on that. But I think that those kinds of producers are – it's complicated to figure out what producer means in some of these cases. Yes, yeah. But they did something. I, I Like I know the, the directors of After Midnight, they constantly praised more – like Benson yeah. Moorhead would be like, we would not have been able to make the movie without them. So they must have been All right, there. what else we got? We've got uh, the Thor Love and Thunder toys have come out. Like the look, oh, have they? they look like? Yep. And we got to look at uh, Thor's new costume and uh, 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 Jane Foster's Thor outfit, superhero outfit. And they look pretty cool. 
Oh, that's good. Yeah, they look pretty cool. She's got her helmet, which I'm very happy about because I love that helmet. Yeah, but that doesn't mean she'll be wearing it very much. The problem is they give these characters these outfits, but they don't always really wear the outfit. Like, Thor's not really worn the helmet very much at all. No. And neither did Loki. The Loki didn't wear it that often. No. No. They wear it when it's time to go into action scenes and they have to CG or stuntman them. Right. That's what they usually wear them, which I'm fine with that. That's I get it, you know. You're paying you're paying for the face. You know. So but the toy the toys at least they the suits look cool. So that's exciting. No no special characters got revealed though? No, just those two. Just those two were are the toys that were revealed. Okay. And then we've got uh, Ryan Reynolds insists that he's not in Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness. We know how that works out, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean he might not be. He might you not know? be. He might not be. That seems plausible that he might not be. Um, but uh, we know how those Andrew, – the Andrew Garfield has taught us that – I mean, we should have already known this, but the Andrew Garfield has reminded us. Yes. Um, so. Yeah. And uh, this this last bit of news, I didn't know – I don't know if I should even bring it up. What is it? Uh, Evangeline Lilly is <laughs> – We talked about this last episode, and she's just back on it again. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, and I she feel like this is it. this is why I feel weird bringing it up is because we've we've talked about other actors and their anti-vax stuff, but that was in connection to like not being vaccinated is going to mess up filming of a movie, and so it was directly connected to the Marvel universe stuff. Where this is, she's not currently filming anything as far as I know, and so yeah, it's doofy. But is it Marvel news? I mean, I don't, I don't know. know. I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know. You don't have any DC news? Peacemaker. That's it? Yeah. Oh, and the Batman thing, the Mr. Freeze. That's it? That's all you got? Yeah. You don't have that James Gunn proposed to to, to Jennifer Holland, his girlfriend, who is the star of Peacemaker? I didn't see that. And uh, they are now engaged? Oh, congratulations. Yeah, he posted about it on his uh, Twitter and Instagram. Very nice. Yeah, now that the show's a hit, he feels comfortable marrying her. I guess she's in season two. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, no, she's very so, good. she's a great character and stuff. So yeah, she's really good. Do you yeah. know what Kevin McGuire tweeted? It's a bummer that she's playing Harcourt on Peacemaker because he says, and this, he would know by the way that she would make the perfect JLI era Black Canary. Yes. There, there was a lot of JLI era Black Canary James Gunn talk this weekend where uh, different people were pushing that. And then uh, Jam Dematis was like, yeah, that'd be great if you did that. That'd be really cool. And then James Gunn responded to that being like, "Like, well, if you're for it, I'd be, I'd be down for it. Imagine if Warner Brothers was like so weird these days that they just let James Gunn make JLI. I, I think, honestly, I would not surprise me. I think it's very clear that they know that with Gunn, they're going to get successful stuff, like in one form or another. And be it, you know, like, I mean, Suicide Squad did not do well theatrically, but apparently it did very well for HBO Max. And Peacemaker is apparently a huge hit. Uh, This I didn't bring up because Gunn deleted the tweet, but he had tweeted that that the Peacemaker season finale was the most watched single day HBO Max original content. And it was 44% above the first episode of Peacemaker. And then he deleted that tweet. So I I don't know 
if he was releasing information he was not supposed to release. That might be the case. But, you know, I mean, the the final episode of the season is the most watched thing on single day watch thing on HBO Max. That's pretty big, I would think, right? So. Yeah, I mean, um, it's interesting because it does, it does, I mean, I think that the some of the DCEU Snyderverse people have had a very bad reaction to this episode of Peacemaker. And, uh, yes. and they've had a bad reaction to the sense that James Gunn's probably going to be the guy running it. Yes. Like it's yeah. probably going to be James Gunn moving forward. Like at whatever yeah. parts of this that are connected, it seems reasonable that Warner Brothers is going to look to James Gunn to be um, a creative head of that. Yeah. 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 Without doubt. And, and I mean, let's be honest, unless, unless Peacemaker ended the last shot of Peacemaker season one was Peacemaker looking into the camera and saying, restore the Snyderverse. The Snyder cultists <laughs> were never going to get behind it. Like, <laughs> like it just wasn't going to happen no matter what, what they did. Yeah. Um, but and, it does I mean, look- there is other news, but I, it's connected to the episode. So I didn't want to talk about it during. The right. Episode. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, but, uh, it, uh, it is really interesting. I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting to see that the suicide squad was a bomb yeah. and, uh, but was a great movie and, and has and found a new life. It did well on HBO max. But something, it, has, yeah. it found a new life on, on streaming yeah. and, and, or and, A-Life, and cause it, it premiered on streaming at the same time. So sure. Like, I don't know. I, it's, it's a weird situation. And peacemaker again, I think what the thing about streaming is, is that part of the criteria for success is not just how many people watched it. It's about how, how much people, people talk talking. about it. Yes. Yeah, because that drives other people to subscribe because they yes. have this sense of everybody's talking about this show. I have to also be able to watch it so I can talk about yeah. it. And, and, and Peacemaker has dominated the conversation. Suppose, yeah, that's what I believe Variety had said, right? Is that like Peacemaker is the most talked about show on Twitter by like a mile. Like it's yeah. not even close to anything else. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing else on right now except Euphoria that people really talk about. Euphoria, Boba Fett was on. And this is the kind of thing where it's like James Gunn knows what he's doing, where every week he did the, you know, the the watch along. Mm -hmm. So every week people were hashtagging Peacemaker Mm -hmm. along with James Gunn and and some other cast members as they were discussing what what happened while making the episode and answering questions. And that drives up. Uh, attention like he and interactions and he knows what he's doing he's really good at this stuff you know and he knows how to make moments that people want to talk about he's good he's he knows what he's doing he knows how to be entertaining and be a showman and tell a story at the same time yep yeah you know and then the snyder called people help because they take the scene of peacemaker making fart sounds and they're like i guess this is what people want instead of something real and serious like yeah kind of (laughs) you know the answer is yes that is exactly true that is a hundred percent true like especially since that is actually quite the character moment and gives us a little more depth into who peacemaker is yeah 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 um you know i'm 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 hopeful i would love for the dc movies to be good nothing will make me happier i pray every day every day i say god give me this i'll ask for nothing else and you know, I think the thing give me is, give a good Flash movie, please. I beg you. Gunn obviously has a, a sense of humor and a style or whatever, but I think Gunn understands these things, and I think that he would not drag this style into every single character or every single yes. property. You know that yes. that's that's the other thing. Yeah, he would not have Superman making fart sounds. Like he knows better. 
He understands who these characters are, like the heart of the characters, what makes them work, and who you can play with and who you can't, you know? Right. And it's very, I mean, he's talked about that in interviews where it's like, like, you know, he loves comics. He loves these characters, you know, and, and so he, he has a respect for them and he knows who you can and cannot do this kind of stuff with. Like, it matters. It matters who you're playing with at the time. So he gets it, I think. Yeah. I agree. I agree. This is uh the the what's funny is that the Snyder Bros helped get James Gunn fired, which was uh he they weren't the only ones obviously, but they were part of the the voices that got him fired and that was what landed him at Warner Brothers, which has now made him the dominant Warner Brothers DC guy yeah. and he's probably done with Marvel now and that's just wild to me. Like be careful what you ask for. You just yeah. might get it. I mean, he's I don't think he's straight out said he's done with Marvel, but he's really hinted at it, which is interesting because they're before he got fired, they were like, oh, James is in charge of all our galactic stuff. And then they fired him and then they had to bring him back. And it seems like he's just finishing his own story and he he's not sticking around for other stuff anymore. Yeah, I mean, that's what it but seems he's also like doing he, that holiday special. So who knows? who knows? But that's, I think, part of like his like wrapping up. I think he's got a couple of things that he's like doing and that's fun yeah. um and i think that um but i think that he has said basically that he doesn't have anything else lined up at marvel after guardians like yeah. so yeah. but he's got stuff lined up with dc so yeah and and he said he loves doing tv now he's like it's great he loves yeah. tv so yeah. he maybe he's not gonna do movies anymore maybe he just wants to do tv now because he can he as he put it he's like he loves character stuff and you have two hours in a movie you have eight hours and on tv yeah like, you know, why why mess around? So we'll see. We, right, we got see. jokes. We got jokes. Oh, we got jokes. Let's see, where are we in the joke book here? Here we go. Uh why did the lobster and the crab refuse? Uh what? Why <laughs> did the lobster and the crab refuse when Aquaman asked them for help? Because he they knew that he was gonna fuck them. Is that the answer? No. Yes, it is, actually. That's exactly what it says. No, uh, they were being shellfish. Oh, boy. Yep. Why did Aquaman ask an oyster for advice? So he could fuck it. He always has a pearl of wisdom. Boy, oh, boy. Why did Aquaman lose a wrestling match with a seal? So he could fuck it. <laughs> He couldn't flip her. Oh my god, it's actually close. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Oh, Aquaman. All right. Uh that's it for the intro, right? We introed it. We introed it. Oh my god, we introed it. After I was not sure we could do an intro because I was so dead after last night. Yes. All right. Let's talk about the season finale of Peacemaker, shall we? Let's do it. Do you really want to, do you really want to taste it? Yeah. Episode 8, it's cow or never. Uh, we pick up with the gang riding in the vet mobile, and Leota tries to apologize to Peacemaker again, and Peacemaker starts making farting sounds, which Vigilante greatly enjoys and joins in on. And uh, every time Leotis begins to speak, 
they make more and more farting sounds. Big week for farting sounds. Did you watch the new episode of the after party? Or as we know it here, the get together, the animated episode. Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember a lot of farting in it. Yeah. Because when, what's his name in the animation, when he's ever, he talks, he just turns into a giant butt with a tongue hanging out of it and makes fart noises. Yeah, all right, yeah. <laughs> if you're watching at home, if you're listening at home, you should really be watching the get together. It's a terrific it's a show. Great show. Great show. Or you might find it on your Apple TV as the after party. That's the that's the alternate title for it. Yes. Yeah. I still yeah. think it should have been called the get together. <laughs> Just so I could be right. Uh but anyway, uh finally Leota is able to say that she's so- sorry and uh Peacemaker is extremely pissed and he tells her to fuck off. And what she did is wrong, and she's shocked that she's being given lessons in in uh, ethics by a man who murders people. She's very uncomfortable with that. Um, but they get to where they're going. Uh, they're in the woods, just outside the barn. And oh, but before that, Leota yells at Peacemaker, and she's like, "Look, you can be angry at me all you want, but you know you keep using your brother's death as an excuse to have this vow, so that you don't have to deal with your feelings about his death." Right. And then that happens. And then they get to the barn. And Leota calls Waller and says, Mom, can you send the Justice League? And uh, <laughs> Yeah, I thought that was really great. I mean, um, obviously that's going to tie into the end of the episode. But um, what? Uh, everybody's listening. I haven't already, yet. Everybody's already watched this episode. Um, what I like is that it does answer that. Whenever the, With all of these connected universes, we talked about this in the show before. Yeah people who aren't comic book people will often be like, well, why wasn't Tony Stark there? And it's like, well, because he's doing his own movies. Like, but th- that's the actual answer. But the, in this, they gun has Leo to actually do the thing that the audience wants her to do, which is calling the big guns. Yes. Yeah. Um, which is, doesn't usually happen. Like the, the, cause that's not the story, right? The story is not a team up. The story is our heroes doing this thing. Yeah. Um, but uh, she, she, she does it. And I think James Gunn puts his own particular spin on this concept in a very nice way. Yes, I agree. I agree. And it's nice that her mother answered her call. Yes, that is nice. So considering that they're not really in a good place right now. They know they're in a good place. I feel it's like her mother was mad at her. No, because she hid the diary like she was supposed to. Oh, yes, right. I'm thinking about the end of this episode. I got yes. very confused. Boy, I'm no, tired of this episode. Okay. They're not in a good place. You're right. You're right. That's how she repays her mother. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> All right. So... Uh, it doesn't seem like the Justice League is going to be coming. So it's down to the 11th Street kids to handle the problem. Uh, Peacemaker lays out. Oh, uh, we see that the teleporter is almost ready for the cow. They're going to move the cow to their East Coast uh, base. And then we see Peacemaker is laying out his helmets. And he goes through what each of them does, which includes one that lets him breathe underwater. Ones that will give everyone scabies. True, I'm one, very troubled by this. By the scabies? It's a retcon already. We've already retconned this show. Oh, have we? Yeah, because the scabies helmet gave you scabies when we first saw one. And he was like, why would you want this? And his dad said, a man wants to test himself. Yeah. Every man should get scabies at least once. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe he, uh, maybe it's two different helmets. I don't know. Maybe it is. Maybe there's like a self scabies and an other scabies. Yeah. Yeah. That could be the case. Or maybe he knew what kind of people he was around and they would start screwing with the helmets and that way whoever used it would get scabies and he'd be like, ha ha ha. Who knows? Good but, point. Uh, it's that one, uh, the breathing underwater, uh, anti-gravity and human torpedo. 
Leota accidentally triggers the anti-gravity helmet, which floats away. Although Vigilante just watches it float away, which I was like, Vigilante, (laughs) grab it, man. He's like, hey, guys. Hey, guys. It's so funny to watch Vigilante just just like sort of like be like kind of like amazed watching this helmet float up, up, up and away. Yeah. It is really, really good. It's great. It's fantastic. Um, Peacemaker gets very upset. This, by the way, is why your Alexa has a wake word. Well, well, she uses the wake word. I know, but like it, it should have like another wake word that you would not use in conversation. Yes, because the premise yeah. is you're supposed to say Alexa, and then that wakes her. Although we both have changed her name to a different thing that is a much more common word that means that the, our Alexas talk to us sometimes uh, when we mine, don't want to. Mine's not very common at all. Oh, what is yours? Will you change yours to Ziggy? Did she answer? No, she didn't light up. Oh, she did. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's why these helmets need to have like a more uh, specific. Yeah. Just um, activate's not good. Activate's not good enough. Like you might say activate, like yeah. in your day to day life. Um, you would think it would be like you have to have the helmet on, but I guess not. It would actually be funny if because White Dragon made the helmet, you had to say some racist ass shit to turn it on. Yes. Yeah. Maybe it's like Heil Hitler or something like that to activate it. Yeah, that'd be that'd be weird, but it'd be kind of funny. But uh, either way, uh, Peacemaker gets real sarcastic, which Vigilante doesn't understand, and then requests that everyone use uh, trigger warnings for sarcasm because he doesn't understand sarcasm. It's so good. It's so good. The the, the slow revelation of uh, Vigilante as a sociopath yes. is just so it's excellent. Fantastic. It's he, fantastic. It's so – but what I love about it is that Gunn has him as such a soft and cuddly sociopath. Yeah. Like he's sweet. He loves animal videos. Like he loves broing down with his boys. He doesn't use and tape on people because it'll hurt. It'll hurt. <laughs> yeah. But he will kill anybody anytime for any reason. Like yes. it is really incredible. Yes. There's a point in this episode where it seems like he he's considering killing Economos. Yes, he sure so, is. Yeah. So then we have that. But uh, then the conversation turns to Green Arrow being a brony, which uh, I can't remember how they get to that discussion. Well, there, uh, it's a really perverted brony too like he like cuts a hole in his yes. brony his pony costume to get fucked at pony conventions yes. and there's a question online of did james gunn just make this up or is he doing a callback to something that kept happening to actor Stephen amell where people kept sending him my little pony toys oh my god really yes and like somebody painted a, a painting and gave it to him where it's him as green arrow like hugging one of the my little pony ponies that would be funny if that was a callback yeah, and no, no one's sure. No one is sure if it's a callback or not. The and best I don't part, believe James Gunn has responded. The best part about this, though, is that everybody else is like, oh, you and your bullshit in Economos is like, no, I've heard this one, too. Yeah, I've heard this one. <laughs> yep. Yeah, he's like, that, that's the only one that's true. And then he's like, well, in Aquaman fucks fish. You're like, yeah, obviously, Aquaman fucks fish. Raises yeah. a lot of questions, though. So Green Lantern, Green Arrow exists. Yes. Yeah, that is a big deal for the online community as well. It's very exciting. But he's like really Green Arrow. He's called. He's not called Arrow. Well, in, in the Green Arrow CW show, he was called Green Arrow as well. Is he called Green Arrow? Yeah, for like the last two or three seasons, he's Green Arrow. So there is a Green Arrow running around out there. Very yes. interesting. And uh, Stephen Amell tweeted about it as well. What did he say? Uh, he said, uh, uh, I'm still a better wrestler than John Cena or something like that. <laughs> he has his wrestling show now, right? Yeah. Yeah. Heels. 
And then now people are trying to figure out, was he joking around or is he angry that they made fun of Green Arrow? And it's like, I'm pretty sure he's joking around. I'm pretty <laughs> sure he's joking around. Yeah. I mean, like, look at John Cena, for Christ's sake. Yeah. 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 Pretty, uh, sure. pretty sure he's goofing around. My God. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he was just like, like, oh, how fun. They mentioned the character I'm known for. How, how fun. You know. Um, then they come up with the plan to have Eagly take the Sonic Boom helmet and put it on top of the barn. Uh, Harcourt is not a fan of this plan. Uh, Peacemaker is pretty sure it's going to work. And Vigilante is positive it'll work as long as uh, Eagly will listen. And sure enough, Eagly picks up the helmet. The music swells as the bird flies towards the barn and then away well, from the barn. I, I love as they're trying to get Eagly to pick up the thing and he's just like he's just like he's pecking just at it. In, and Vigilante's yeah. over Peacemaker's shoulder just repeating everything Peacemaker says to Eagly. Yep. yep. I like that in the the post credit scene where we see more of that and it's, and it's vigilante being like, well, you have to pee on him to, to get dominance so that he'll know you're dominant. It's like, and they're like, what? He's like, yeah, that's how animals know you're dominant is you pee on them, which opens the question. How many animals has, has vigilante peed on? Probably quite a few, frankly. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, it almost works. I mean, Eagly picks up the helmet and flies towards the barn, but then flies away from the barn and drops the helmet somewhere in the woods. And they have to go find the helmet. And uh, that's how that works. Uh, yeah, so they all run off to go find the helmet, and they have to split up so that they can have their little moments before the big action scene. Yes, and we also see now that the teleporter is online. It's almost ready. It's powered up, or powering up, I suppose. Uh, Kanamos and Vigilante are looking for the helmet, and they argue over how important ants are. And the scene ends with Vigilante putting his hand on his gun in a way I felt quite threatening. But... Uh, <laughs> That's how that goes. Uh, Leota and Harcourt are looking elsewhere for the for the helmet, and Leota explains to Harcourt that she saw Eagly hug a peacemaker, and that's what made her decide to stay. And Harcourt is like, "How do you know that wasn't a sign that you should run away?" And Leota realizes that might have been what she should have taken from what she saw. And then Peacemaker is looking for the helmet himself until his father's metaphorical ghost appears, and uh, Peacemaker pulls out his blowgun. And his father yells at him. He's like, why didn't you just pull out your gun and shoot me? He's like, because then they would have known we were coming. And I know that's what you're trying to do is make me screw up. And his dad's like, ah, I almost got you. He's like, no, you didn't. I went right for my blowgun. You never get close <laughs> to get me. And then he shoots the ghost with the blowgun. And uh, Harcourt sees this and is freaked out by it. But sure enough, the blowgun dart points the way right to the helmet. So it kind of worked out. Uh, it's, uh, it's one of those interesting moments where you kind of have to wonder, like, is there something happening here? Well, in the comics, back in the late 80s comic, like post-crisis Peacemaker miniseries, Peacemaker, the ghost of Peacemaker's father is constantly following him and yelling at him. And in the comic, it's left open of like, is it really his dad's ghost or is he is it part of his uh, insanity that he believes he's seen his Nazi father father's ghost? But it's interesting because it does lead them in the direction they, where they need to go. Yes. Yeah. Very fascinating. Yeah. Uh, but they get it. Uh, Peacemaker goes and kills a guard and brings his clothes back so that economists can wear the guard, the guard's pant like clothes. They discuss that the guard had diarrhea. And that's my favorite part. <laughs> Peacemaker's like, because like, he's all, the clothes are all wet. And so he comes, like, why are the clothes wet? He's like, well, I had to wash them in the street. Why do you have to wash them in the street? Peacemaker's like, well, one of the things we warriors don't like to talk about is the gray area and badass uh, ass kicking, which sometimes when you die, you shit yourself. 
Uh, and then uh, Economos, you mean you have diarrhea? And Peacemaker's like, I didn't say diarrhea. Economos like, but did he have diarrhea? He's like, yes, yes, he had diarrhea. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh my god, I'm just telling jokes from the show, and I get really excited. It's very funny. Well, it's a great, it's a great bit. But uh, so Economos puts it on, gets the helmet. They put the helmet in a bag. Economos is walking towards the barn. He gets caught by uh, Fitzgibbons, and they have a quick discussion where Fitzgibbons is like. Why are you going into the barn? And Economos' response is, I have this bag. <laughs> and it works. It's so <laughs> good. It's like, yeah, okay. <laughs> it's like, because of this bag. Yeah. Because of this bag. And I, I love it because it works. And then Peacemaker's like, how did that work? <laughs> like, like, it's like, what? But Fitzgibbons is clearly suspicious, but not suspicious enough, I suppose. It's, I mean, it's just obviously a joke, right? I mean, like, so like, you know, the, the, the beauty of it is, is that it has these, um, it has all of these weird, uh, moments that you'd have in an action thing, like where the guy has yeah. to sneak in and he has to get through and like, and gun just makes jokes out of it. Yeah. Um, but it's like so perfect because it's such a perfect joke because it's just the thing that should never, ever work. Uh, yeah. and uh, it just absolutely works. But here's the beauty of it. He makes jokes out of it, but it's still tense. Right. Like it doesn't relieve the tension, and it's—I'm really impressed. I don't know how you pull that off. Like it's really impressive. I think. But I mean, uh, it's very amazing. Yeah. 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 And uh, but it works, and it kind of almost goes inside the barn and throws up, which almost makes Peacemaker puke because he can hear it's that so on the radio. Because he's on the mic, and it just makes Peacemaker just yeah. gagging. Oh yeah. my god! Which I appreciate it oh. because when I see people puke, I. I I start to gag myself. So me and Peacemaker, we're <laughs> both the same. Uh, Akanos brings the bag into the lower levels of the barn where he sees the cow and he freaks out that there's another kaiju and he drops the bag at the front of the stairs and runs back up uh, as he's trying to get away. Well, I like, it's not just, he, he's freaking out the other kaiju, which is a good suicide squad callback. Yes. Um, but I do like the response that he has uh, because, um, I think that's a very relatable response <laughs> to see like, a giant monster floating on the ceiling of a, of a barn to be like, fuck, yeah. fuck, fuck this. I'm out yeah. of this. Like I'm yeah. not going down there. Yeah. But, uh, as he gets out of the barn, Fitzgibbon stops him again and asks why the human he took over dyes his beard like that. And then we have a, a bit of a heartbreaking discussion where it yes. explains that he dyes his beard because he's, he's alone. And he hoped that by dyeing his beard, Women would find him more attractive, but between his own laziness and his work, he doesn't keep up with it, and he buys cheap beard dye, and so it doesn't look good. And But no one ever mentioned it before because no one ever cared enough about him to mention it until just recently when one man brought it up. And that was the moment I was like, oh, no, Economos is going to die. <laughs> yeah, it does have intense, I'm gonna, this is my last scene of the show, energy. Yes, yeah, but uh, it's not. Fitzgibbon's like, oh, weird. Humans are weird. <laughs> Humans are pathetic, he says. Humans are pathetic, yeah. And yeah. then uh, Economos starts to walk away. Oh, it's a beautiful moment. I mean, I think Steve Agee, who is not a guy that you would think of as a dramatic actor. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I mean, I just, it wouldn't come to mind. Like, if you're casting Steve Agee in a thing, it's because he's funny and, like, his deal. He's yeah. really good in this scene. Like, he's got, like, he's a lot really of depth and a lot of humanity. Yeah, he's really good in this whole series, he, yeah. Like, he really, he's really good. He re and But this scene is, like... Hey man, maybe this guy deserves an Emmy. <laughs> like, like it's really well done. He's got yeah. the tears in his eyes, and it's like, man, this this is 
this hit me. It hit me. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, it, you know, he starts to walk away when another butterfly man comes up and says, hey, this guy dropped his bag on the stairs. And everyone turns and realizes that he's probably not a good person. And all the butterflies start chasing him. At which point, uh, Leota, uh, uses the, the bag, uses the sonic boom helmet that's in the bag and blows up the barn. They go, they get on him. They're like, they're like, on they're him. on him. They yeah, I thought he was him. being killed. I thought he was dead. Yeah, it, it's like a zombie attack. Like there's just a zillion of these butterflies on him. And uh, just as they really are like, and he's like, get off me, get off me. And then just as they are, the, the sonic boom goes off and the boom goes off and they all go running back. Cause the barn just collapses. Well, the, not yet. The barn's doesn't all messed it, up. Isn't it going and, right away? Oh, no, no. Cause okay. the barn's all messed up. They run, uh, all the, the, uh, butterflies run back. And when they enter into the barn, they use it again and it blows up. The vast majority of the butterflies are killed. Yes. Like they take out most. Well, they do it on purpose. It's like hold, hold. It's like the classic hold, hold. And when they get right up to where the bag is, it's boom. Yes. Which was great. It was awesome. And then they do it a third time. And then the, the, uh, sound boom helmet is out of juice. And, uh, song at that point, song butterfly song starts heading into the barn and digging her way down into the, to the lower levels because they're terrified of what's happened to the cow. And we also, we saw that the teleporter is destroyed. Right. It's, it's broken apart. So no teleporting the cow away. Uh, at this point, Harcourt, Vigilante, and Peacemaker head towards the barn to start killing the, the remaining butterflies. Yeah, this is it. They have to now go in. Like, this yeah. is the, the, because the, 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 the plan hasn't worked, right? No. Because the plan was to just kill the pet cow, like with the sonic boom. That, But it's obviously, they're not sure that it's worked out. They need to get in there and, and really clean it out. Yeah. And they have like one of those moments, like where they gear up and it's like one of those like last stand gear ups. They really yeah. has that weight to it that like, well, when it, we may not all be coming back from this one. Yeah. And there's a good joke here where they're the, where uh, Harcourt says, uh, uh, "Leota, you stay behind," and she's like, "Why? I want to come help you." And, and Harcourt's like, "No, we need someone here in case things go wrong. We need we we need somebody who who can who can do something about it." And then the camera pans over, and Economos is standing there. He's like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> <laughs> Which is a very good point on Economos, as he's done literally everything throughout the series. He killed the gorilla. He stopped Judo Master. He's the one who planted the the helmet. Like, and then all of a sudden, they're like, we can't trust you to do anything. You're an idiot. So I feel bad for him there. Of course, I'm going to either going to be proven right in a few minutes. But uh, they go into to, into the fight. The theme song kicks up. We're all going to taste it. Yeah, what a great moment to bring that theme song in. I mean, like, it really is a really good moment, and it does give. It gives that sense of finality. Like it feels like a circular closure kind of a thing beginning. Well, it's great because it feels like the big, great moment. Like, this is it. Yeah, we're going to do it. And it's an amazing fight scene. It's so well done. Like, there's great bits. He Peacemaker now has a shield with him. Uh, I'm not quite sure where he got the shield from, but he's got it. He, he the, like the shield is actually, the shield. the shield has been seen. So the shield it, was been seen, but his, I don't remember him grabbing it. Anyway. I'm assuming that it was grabbed when they when um when Vigilante pulled all the shit out of his dad's house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just don't and that's the shield that he had in the comics. Yes, in the early, early, early comics. Yes, yeah. And he uses it here, much like Captain America, where he's thrown into people, but instead of just bouncing off of people, it it cuts through their heads. What was really great is this one point where he throws the shield and then shoots it 
Yes. <laughs> bullet gives the shield momentum to go into a guy's chest. <laughs> yeah. So good. That was great. Yeah. And then Vigilante ass. comes in with a fucking sword and is like cutting guys' arms off and oh, shit. Oh, he's having a blast. There was a part of me who's like, oh, I wish he had a chainsaw. You know he wanted a chainsaw. It would have been, it nice, been but... nice. It would have been nice for him to have a chainsaw. Yeah. But he's got a sword and he's cutting people up and he kills Fitzgibbons. He puts his, the sword right through Fitzgibbons' skull. And uh, as Vigilante heads downstairs to make sure that the cow is dead, um, at which point the song takes a darker turn as Vigilante gets shot in the back and collapses. Well, what I like is that Vigilante gets shot in the back and he has this moment where he checks for blood and he's like, oh, Christ. And then he kills the guy that shot him. No, and then he, he no look kills him. He just kind of flings his his yeah. sword back behind him, and it goes into yeah. the guy's head. Doesn't yeah. no look kill. I wanted to. I think we're kind of rushing through this fight scene because this is an incredible fight scene. Yeah, it's an amazing fight scene. It's absolutely amazing, and it really encapsulates everything that I truly like about um, this show. Is that it? the The action I think is really good, really smooth. I mean, it's really well shot. Um, you can get you can get a good look at it. Um, it's very inventive feeling. It's very yeah. violent. It's funny, but it also hurts. Yes. And then you also worry about the characters, and it has character in the. So like vigilante, the way he gets shot, checks his blood is like kind of like ah oh, crap, and then no no look kills the guy, yeah. which we've seen him do the no look kill before. Um, I think this really sums up that character in a big way, and it's really really exciting. It's really well done. I mean, the fight we just don't get a lot of good great fights anymore, and. Yeah. And and this one has got a little bit of heft to it, and it's got a lot of blood, and it's really, 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 really terrific. Yeah, it's, it's a very violent fight. And one thing I like is the show has made it very clear before this that they are not – the butterflies are not a hive mind. So this isn't a situation where it's like once we kill the cow, all the other butterflies will collapse or whatever. So like I like that they had to use the sonic boom to take out most of the butterflies first. Like – I, I appreciate that. I really appreciate that format of it. Like, okay, we do the initial hit to take out as many as we can, and then we're going to have to go in after that and clean everything out. And considering most times in superhero movies, it is hive mind stuff these days. That was nice to see. I appreciated yeah. that. And the fight's great. The fight is absolutely great. And when Harcourt gets shot and she collapses and the song starts getting all wavy, and she starts spitting up blood. I was like, she's dead. <laughs> That's the thing, right? So like, Vig- Vigilante gets um gets shot and it seems like he's in trouble but she really seems like she's dead yeah like it's yeah. like hardcore like it, this looks like oh this she, is a dead, she's this coughing is a dead blood it's all over her face and she's just yeah. laying there on the ground the song is, we, is going around and as james gonna explain on twitter he used the song in the sequence because the do you want to taste it is blood she's um, tasting her own blood uh, but also he's shooting it from above, which is like yeah. a universal visual language for like God's eye shot, which gives the sense of like her soul coming out. Like that's, that's what he's yeah. going for. And yeah. you're like, oh, wow, like he might do this. He might kill this. He might kill her off. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, but uh, at that moment, Leota is watching through binoculars and she's like, I have to go save Harcourt. Harcourt's down. And she goes running out saying, I'm going to do uh, what I should have done in the first place. I'm going to do what I'm good at. And Economos follows, but he trips over a fence and breaks his leg horribly. Bone sticking out of the leg. Compound fucking shin fracture. Very yeah, real bad. Gross. Very, real very gross. bad. And something I greatly appreciate is he doesn't feel the pain at first. Because right. he, he like tries to get up. He's like, what the fuck? And he looks down and he sees the bone. And that's when he realizes, oh, my leg is broken. And then you, and my, I've never broken a bone, but my understanding is when you break a bone like that, you don't feel it at first. It takes a moment because your body's like, whoa, what's happening? You're in and shock. And then the yeah. pain comes. Yeah. So 
I appreciated that. But uh, we see Leota being a real badass as she's just walking through, shooting everybody in the head. Uh, at the same time, a butterfly. She is fucking doing it. She comes through and she is doing it. Like it's like not even like, and she's like, it's 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 such a difference from when she was trying when she was shooting the people after Peacemaker shot them. Yeah. She is like headshotting them and like doing one like a double tap for you know for good measure. She is really killing the shit out of people. I mean, like, she is effortlessly. She is Amanda Waller's daughter. She knows how yeah. to handle herself. Like, and it's brought up earlier in the season. So she's like, I'm good at this kind of stuff. I just don't like doing it. And now we see, oh, she's really good at this kind of right. stuff. Right. Yeah. Her mom probably had her like training as a teenager and a young child yeah. for this yeah. stuff. I mean, we, yeah. we saw her, we saw that she was good at getting people to do what she wants earlier with Vigilante. And now we see that she's also able to just do it herself if it calls for it. And it's like, right. there you go. She knows what she's doing. Um, as she's killing all the other butterflies, one, Free Butterfly tr- is entering into Harcourt, and uh, Leota gets there just in time and pulls the the butterfly out of Harcourt's mouth and then shoots it point blank, <laughs> which was pretty crazy. It's holding so it, good. It's so good. She's it. holding it and shoots wow. it. It's so good. Yeah, that was pretty oh, fantastic. So, so good. Yep. Uh, meanwhile, I, I forgot to bring up that uh, Peacemaker, as he was headed down into the basement, the sub-levels of the barn, the floor collapsed underneath him, and he's trapped under lots of building. Seems very familiar for him. Uh, and he can't get out. He's trapped. Uh, yeah, and he's really under there. And as Leota comes in, the way that Gunn cuts what's about to happen is that we think that Leota has found him and is res- about to rescue him. Yes. Well, well, she's trying to help Harcourt. And Harcourt's like, no, you got to go help Peacemaker. And she's like, no, you're going to die. And then Economos comes crawling up, gives her the human torpedo helmet, and says, no, I'll take care of Harcourt. And then we see something I like is that Leota is tracking Peacemaker through the bomb in his head. And I really like that little touch. Yeah. I thought that was nice. And then we think she's there and she's digging him out, but she's not. It's actually Song who has dug out uh, Peacemaker. Yep. And they start fighting. Song is beating up Peacemaker when Leota comes through and yells out, activate human torpedo, flies right past the two of them and slams into a wall. Yeah, so there's like this. It's a pretty good fight that I think between Peacemaker and Song, and I think it's really hard to sell this because John Cena is so much bigger than this actress. Yeah. Um, but I think they sell it really well. Like I think there's really good um, physicality to this, but it is very funny when she activates the thing and he, he, Peacemaker's like, "No, don't do it, don't do yes. it, don't do it." <laughs> well, he told them before that it, it's it's a death helmet. It's like you're gonna, you break every bone in your body if you use it. So yeah, yeah, you, yeah, yeah. you run a real chance of breaking every bone in your body. Yeah, it's uh, it's very very funny. She fucking nails the wall. Um, yes, and she's out. She's knocked out. Uh, and then Song gets the better of Peacemaker and is and says, I don't want to kill you. Just come with me, and I'll show you what we're doing. And Peacemaker goes with her, and they go into the room where the cow is. And Song explains that the butterflies are not trying to conquer the Earth. They're trying to save it. Mm, that was interesting. I guess. That uh, mankind is destroying the planet with climate change. And the butterflies want to stop the destruction of the earth, must stop global warming. And they know that Peacemaker will join them because that is what Peacemaker believes as well, is that peace above all else. Yeah, it's like 100% his ethos, which is that he, he to bring peace, no matter how many men, women, children he has to kill, it's 100% his ethos. And so yeah. their thing is like, because, yeah, they, she's, Goth tells him, 
you know, I t- we're taking over the leaders because we re- because our people had to leave their planet, not because of you know whatever, but because we had destroyed it. We had we yeah. had run it down, and we got here, and we thought we could live here, and then we see that you guys are doing the exact same fucking thing. Yes, and um, she, so she really thinks so that he's going to get it. Like we're taking over the leaders so that we can um, change things and we can save this planet and we can save you people, and yeah. then we can all live here together. And uh, she. It, it, he has this look on his face like you think, oh, he might actually buy into this. Yes. Yeah. He's flashing back to making his vow and the death of his brother. And she's like, what do you say? Do you want to join us? And he says, activate human torpedo. And all of a sudden, Leota comes flying through and like a bullet, sli- like flies right through the cow. Right into yeah, the cow. Right it's right so the good. Stomach, and the cow starts screaming. Peacemaker shoots uh, Song in the head. And she goes down and then he kills. He doesn't shoot her in the head. He shoots her in the he shoots her in the in the chest. Oh, it was, in the chest. It's like a very specific choice, and I yes. um and I I'm curious about the choice in this because I don't know if it's just that um I don't know if um it's just what Gunn does because he needs that for the dramatic thing, or if Peacemaker makes the decision not to shoot her in the butterfly. Uh, he makes the decision. You think so? Peacemaker specifically spares Goff the butterfly? He looks back and sees Goff coming out of her. So and doesn't kill her. And doesn't kill it. So he's made the decision not right. to kill Goff. Right. Yeah. Uh, but he does kill the other guy, the the, the uh, Locke. He kills him. Right. He kills Locke. Um, yeah. And then Locke earlier you know this, by the way, well, earlier in the scene, it's only in this, before we, didn't, we missed this, Locke was downstairs with the teleporting stuff and the uh, – Sonic boom went off and the ceiling began to collapse and the guy right next to him took a giant fucking boulder. Yes. This yep. gets smushed out of existence by a yes. giant boulder. Very, very enjoyable moment for me. Very enjoyable. Very good stuff. But uh, Leota comes out of the, the cow covered in guts and intestines as they fall all around her as well. She doesn't come out. She fucking she falls, out. falls out. Like it's yeah. so disgusting. She oh, falls gross. out and there's just like a fucking river of guts and blood. Yes, which if you watch the uh, uh, blooper reel that James Gunn put out on Twitter, uh, you can see that they're really just dropping gallons of guts and blood on her. Like perfect of blood, but it's, that's what you got to do. Yeah, and it looks great. It's wonderful. It's what you got to do, man. It's what you yep. got to do. Yeah, and the uh, peacemaker goes over to her, helps her up, and they walk out of the barn. As they walk out of the barn, Vigilante comes walking over. He says, "Hey guys," <laughs> which is great. She's like, oh, hey guys. And uh, uh, Peacemaker goes up, picks up Harcourt, who's on the verge of death, and they're carrying her back when we suddenly hear teleportation sounds, and the Justice League is there. Uh, at least most of the Justice League. We're missing two members. We're missing Batman and Cyborg. And, uh, uh, and Peacemaker says, it's about time you dickhead showed up, but it's too late. We already did everything. And want and why don't you go fuck some fish? And Aquaman's like, I'm so goddamn tired of that. I'm fucking tired of that rumor. And Flash says, That's not a rumor. <laughs> so to which Aquaman responds, Fuck you, Barry. Which fuck I you, Barry. It's so good. Yep. Fuck you, Barry. So good. You know, it's big so big props to these two actors for showing up and having a good time. Uh, this is interesting in that uh, James Gunn wrote Aquaman into it, and then and they were really worried that. Uh, that uh, Jason Momoa or James Wan would nix it, would be like, no, no, I'm not like the Momoa would say no, or Wan would be like, no, we're not doing that. We're not, not going to let him do that. And Momoa was all for it. And he was like, yeah, this is great. Let's do it. 
And then he heard, Gunn heard that uh, Ezra Miller loves Gunn's movies and was upset that he didn't get asked to be in it. So he wow. added Flash in. He's like, okay, if, you, if you're down. And the Flash stuff was filmed on the set of Guardians of the Galaxy 3. That's wild. So I wonder, it's amazing that he got on that set and there wasn't like rumors that Ezra Miller is in Guardians of the Galaxy 3. They, they did a yeah. really good job. Yeah, yeah. They kept it real quiet. Which, which, as uh, Gunn pointed out, that means that there's stuff for Guardians of the Galaxy 3 that was filmed on the Peacemaker set as well. So think about that. What? Uh, the guy who played Mern, his test for Marvel was done on the Peacemaker sets. Really? Yes. But they don't actually use that in the movie. No, they're not, they don't use it in the movie. But like the, the DC, as, as James Gunn put it, it's like the DC team filmed his stuff for Marvel. And then the Marvel team filmed Flash's stuff for DC. That's pretty great. Pretty fun. Yeah. That's a pretty fun little crossover. Yeah. Um, so let's let's talk about this bit. Okay. Why wasn't Batman and Cyborg there? Uh, Gunn, they were filmed. Gunn initially on Twitter said that, uh, or in an interview, he's like, oh, I wasn't allowed to use them because there's plans for those characters in the future. And which made everyone think that they just were not there. And then the guy who played Batman put out a picture. He's like, no, I was there. I played Batman for that scene. And they cut me and the guy who played cyborg out. And so now everyone's wondering what the weirdness of that is. So I think, um, part of that has got to be the cyborg stuff because of what's his name? Ray Fisher. Yeah. Right. Like it, 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 it feels like it's gotta be Ray Fisher, right? Like they just, it just feels like it might've been too, um, too much of an opportunity for Ray Fisher to go on the internet and and yell again about stuff because he he's so mad at Warner Brothers. This. Well, he yelled about this about, about Cyborg not being in it. Yes, he, but yeah, I think you can't win, right? I mean, like you can't win. Yeah, I feel like win. so. Now Batman is interesting, and I wonder if that is because there's a Batman movie coming out in two weeks. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. There's been a lot of talk online of like when does this take place, and some people theorize that this takes place uh, after the Flash movie. Uh, I disagree because the flash wears a different costume in the movie and he's wearing the Snyder justice league costume in this. So I don't think it takes place after the flash movie. And, but that would be why Batman's not around is because Ben Affleck Batman is gone by that point would be the, the theory. So Ben Affleck Batman disappears into the multiverse. You think in flash? Uh, who knows? All we know is that it's going to be Michael Keaton after the flash movie. We don't know. Um, and we know that Affleck's in the flash movie as well. So, Something happens to him. It'd be so funny if Ben Affleck's Batman dies in the Flash movie. Like, what if, like, what a weird way to off a Batman character. That's yeah. so, he's so strange. Yeah. Who knows? We'll see. We'll see what they do. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> um, did, did you miss Batman in Cyborg? I noticed that they were not there right away. Yeah. It was like, that's weird that they're not there. You know? Uh, it also... Sparked a lot of conversations online of like Superman's there, which is interesting because they can't seem to make a decision on whether or not Superman is continuing. Well, yeah, but he's existed, right? So like he exists. And so I think that that's a thing that they, it makes sense to include him and just not show him. Like the idea, the theory is like, why not just have it be Aquaman and Flash? They're the only ones who talk. They're the only ones whose faces we see. Why include Wonder Woman and Superman in that sequence? Where Wonder Woman, she's still around. We know that. Superman is questionable. No one's really clear on what's happening until after flash. We'll find out in theory and Batman. We know that Affleck is gone and cyborg. Yeah. There's a lot of issues with Ray Fisher and he's never coming back. Yeah. 
Well, not that he's never coming back, but the idea of recasting that role could be rough at this moment, I guess. Well, there's like a lot of things with Cyborg. One is that they're never bringing Ray Fisher back. They'll just never work with him again, right? That's just never going to happen. He'll never work at Warner Brothers again. No. Two, recasting is just opening up a can of worms that's going to make people angry. Yeah. And three, nobody cares about Cyborg. So like, I mean, like that's the other piece of it. Nobody gives a shit about the best idea I heard was use the guy who plays Cyborg from Doom Patrol. Have him be there. But either they didn't think about it or they didn't want to. One or the other. I wonder if they didn't think about it. I yeah. I mean, I know he's also British, so he might be in, in London. I don't know if he lives in the States or if he lives in London. And I don't think, yeah, but you still just, control, so you just have him go to a studio and stand in front of a black background, which is what, which yeah. what they did with the flash. Yeah. Ezra Miller's just standing in front of a black background. They, they, yeah, they put he, some smoke not, on him. he did not film with, with, uh, Jason Momoa. They filmed. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean like, you know, I think it's a very good edit. Cause it's I great because it pans over. It's a whip pan. Yeah. It's a whip yeah. pan and it's a really smart way of doing it so that you feel yeah. like they're in the same scene, even though they're not. Yeah. It's really well done. Um, that I, also I, makes a, uh, Ezra Miller has appeared as the flash in more than any other DC character. And he has yet to get his own movie out. Wild. He has appeared in three TV shows uh, or three movies and two TV shows. Now, what was the second TV show? He was in the flash during crisis on infinite earths. He was in two episodes. No, well, he's in this. He's in Peacemaker TV show. Oh, that's right. I keep TV forgetting show. Peacemaker is a TV show. I keep yes. forgetting that. <laughs> that's so funny. Um, yeah, that's pretty movies. wild. And he's probably not going to do anything anymore after The Flash. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? Maybe The Flash is a big hit and he'll do more. Who knows? I know. They got so many troubled people, though. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, it's funny because Marvel has troubled people, too. Like Evangeline Lilly and Letitia Wright. You know what I mean? Yeah. But DC got like a different level of troubled people. I think it doesn't matter anymore. That's my thought. Well, I think it doesn't matter, but I also don't think that Ezra Miller is of any value. I no, I I mean that's Do you know what I mean? that's a question. Like like when they first put him as Flash and he was also in the uh, Fantastic, Fantastic Beasts. It was clear that Warner Brothers was like, "Hey, this is the it kid. We're like this kid's going to be big." And then it Let's just it farted out. out. Like even yeah. separate from him beating up a lady on film, um the he, Fantastic he Beasts movies out. aren't good and Right. Just and then the flash just didn't work good. out. Yeah. yeah. I mean like, so it's kind well, we of, we don't know if the flash didn't work out. We don't, the movie hasn't come out yet, but no, I'm saying the flash didn't did work, out. work out for six years. The flash didn't work out. Yes. But like they yeah. couldn't make a movie. They kept scrapping the movie and then yes. justice league showed up and nobody liked it. It was no good. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, so that's, that's like the thing. Um, that's the thing about that. Was well, a very low flying helicopter. Um, that's the thing about that is that he ended up in these two properties that just didn't quite work. Now the flash might now take off. Yes. But like it's been a you know half a decade that he's been playing the flash. I mean that, that movie was supposed to come out 2 years ago. Or th- yeah. 4 years ago. It was supposed to come out in like 2018. Yeah. Cyborg solo movie was supposed to come out in 2019. Yeah. There you go. I mean I keep thinking about that all the time that we are we are in a post cyborg cyborg solo movie era. Yeah. I have it on Voodoo. <laughs> Can you what would that have been like if that original plan had played out? I mean I I can't imagine they were ever going to get to Cyborg. That just always felt like a thing that was never going to happen. This is there's two things that I wonder about from time to time, and one is what was were there plans for a Cyborg movie, or did they just announce it and have no idea what they were going to do? And what was the actual Snyder Justice League movie? Because it's not what we saw, right? I mean, he did not create a four hour movie, and they're like, yeah, that's what we'd put in theaters if we decided to go with your thing. What I think was that his it's, movie? I think it's close. 
Do you, do you think it had the thing, the evil Superman at the end and all that kind of stuff? What, when they wake up Superman? No, when, when the... Uh, oh, that bit. No, they filmed that. They filmed that later. Yeah. Um, no, I don't think that stuff was... I don't think that nightmare stuff was in it. Um, I think I think that it was much more of a part one. I think that yeah. it was intended to set up that Dark Side is coming back, but it wasn't going to have that tag yeah. at the end, I think. Okay. Um, but it was definitely intended to be like they won this battle but realized that the war is much bigger than they ever imagined, which is not yeah. how the movie works. I think that's the... But I think it's essentially the same movie because it's the same movie as the, as the Joss Whedon movie. Yeah. Like they're, 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 they're the it's same story. Longer. Like it's just much longer and like way more slow motion. Um, I mean, it's better too. I mean, it's not, I, I'll never watch it again, but like it is a better, more interesting movie than the Whedon version. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think the movie that was released is very close to what his movie was. He just had the, the room to go tack some more shit onto it. Yeah. Like John Jones and stuff like that. That wasn't in there originally. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think he had he had it. That, that was it. Because the thing is, when I went on the set of Justice League, they walked us through the entire plot. And it's everything that is in the Joss Whedon movie. Yeah. Well, yeah. There's like no extra stuff. Like there's no, there's like, you know what I mean? I, there's, like, no extra, there's no actual extra plot stuff in the Snyder movie. There's more cyborg stuff, but it's I, yeah, I mean, I guess there is all that cyborg stuff. Yeah, that's right. But it's none of it's any good. And it's it's essentially the same shit. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's yeah. not like anything. You cut it out and you don't really lose anything because the character doesn't really work anyway. Um, but yeah, you, but you, like, you cut it out and you don't lose anything because it's a totally separate movie. Right. Which is the weird thing about it, watching it in the Snyder Cut version is like, it's weird that all of a sudden I'm just watching a different movie for a while. And it is roughly the length of a movie. Well, it's like, what I mean. This is why the Snyder Cut. There was this discussion about releasing it as a miniseries at one point, and that's why it should yeah. have been a miniseries. Because if it was Justice League and it was a six-part series, and like one episode was Cyborg, it wouldn't yeah. have felt weird. It wouldn't have felt weird. You would have felt like, no. oh, this is an episode we're going to focus on Cyborg the whole episode. Yeah, and we may or may not like it, but like it wouldn't feel like a thing in the middle of another thing. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. and I also think that he also for the. His his cut, I think he included everything, including stuff that he never actually intended to include. You always shoot more than you need, and you always shoot things that you think you may or may not use, um, and then you come back and you shoot other stuff to connect because this thing yeah. doesn't work or whatever. I think he just put every fucking it's 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 probably closer to an assembly cut than any movie we've ever seen released. Yeah. Is my is my guess. He even included the weird Scottish accent for Amber Heard. Yeah. Which in the ending reshoot stuff, she had to do again for some reason. <laughs> Which makes me laugh. I really wonder if she's on set. She's like, you know, I don't do this in the actual Aquaman movie, right? So he's like, I don't care. Yep. It's That's pretty strange. strange. Yep. Pretty strange. What are, gonna what are you going to do? Anyway, so they walk past the the, the Justice League uh, and they get uh, Harcourt to a hospital. Uh, Vigilante doesn't want to be admitted to the hospital, but he collapses. So he collapses right in, the, right, in the, right in the middle of the, yeah. the lobby. Yeah. He says, I just need to take a nap. And then he falls down. Uh, Leota and Peacemaker sit in the lobby of the hospital and they have a little talk. And they wonder if they've doomed the world by stopping the butterflies. And Leota's like, did you do it because it goes against your fascist uh, uh, libertarian. libertarian beliefs? And Peacemaker says, no, I did it because if I joined with them, they would have hurt you. But if I hadn't joined with them, if I hadn't joined with them, you, they would have hurt you. Yeah. Yes. And uh, and then Leota leaves. She's like, I got to go do something. 
And uh, as she's leaving, Peacemaker says, don't tell Vigilante, but after Eagly, you're my BFF. That's very nice. I mean, that's why her betrayal hurts so bad, right? I mean, yes. like, that's a big part of it. I think also the – it's interesting having just watched and talked about Watchmen for four hours because it's a similar thing, which is can someone impose a better world upon us? Yes. That's what Watchmen's about. Adrian's imposing a better world. Yeah. And here the butterflies are telling Peacemaker, we're going to impose a better world on you. It's a very classic Star Trek storyline. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a very a classic, classic supervillain storyline these days. It's a classic. Well, it's a, there's that's there's a certain story. kind of supervillain. It's not every supervillain. DC supervillains traditionally were not like that. No, no. But I mean, DC supervillains. That's what every villain is. Sort of. I mean, Rachel Ghoul is going to make a better Gotham, and uh, Thanos is going to make a better universe by killing half of everything. Well, I'm talking specifically about DC villains, though. Okay. Because I think DC villains traditionally in the old days in the comics were much more. Uh, yeah, and the comics are all over the place. So like, it, 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 because I think it's it's interesting to look at how DC took longer to grow up than Marvel did, and so even up until the seventies and the early eighties, there's more grown up stuff, but there's still a lot of stuff where characters are just like robbing banks and shit like that. Yeah, and supervillains are just like like Lex Luthor. Like his 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 goals pre crisis are often all over the fucking place. He's just pissed that he has no hair. <laughs> this is what, Superman ruined my hair. My hair, uh, my hair. But uh, he's, yeah. he's like Ford Fairling in that way. Yeah, I just, I, I mean, we'll discuss it in a minute. But I'm just tired of the bad guys actually trying to save the world, and it's very boring to me. But uh, anyway, uh, Leota goes and calls a press conference and reveals to the world that uh, the Suicide Squad exists and the butterflies exist. And then Amanda Waller is behind it all, and Amanda Waller is real pissed about it. Yeah, she goes on TV and says every bit of it. Talks about she she reveals the existence of Task Force X. Yeah, uh, she aliens. reveals the existence of the aliens. She reveals that Amanda Waller is doing all this stuff. That it is a very framed. it's a very big deal. That actually yeah. feels like it is a universe changing revelation. Yes, I agree. I agree. Uh, I do not disagree. Because like if this if that hadn't happened, then this entire Peacemaker series could just sort of exist off on its own little side street. Yeah. yeah. But like this feels like it makes a big change to the mechanics of the DC universe in terms of like the industrial military complex and stuff like that. I get, I, I mean, I think it, it means we're not gonna get another Suicide Squad movie. <laughs> That's what it means. <laughs> well, I guess there's no Suicide Squad anymore. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe there is, and they'll be like, no, we denied it all, and that's the end of that. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, but uh, Vigilante uh, wakes up in the hospital, and he pulls a York Brown and just jumps out the window. I love it. He wakes up, he like looks around, and then just hops right the fuck out. Like, out. It's a, yep. and, and, the, and, and the way that, what's his name? Uh, Freddie Stromer, is that his name? Yes. The way that he physically does it, I think it's just very Great. funny. It's like very comedic. It, it, yeah. really, it really is terrific. He yeah. is so good. He's fantastic. He's fantastic. Uh, uh, Harcourt wakes up, and uh, Peacemaker's been waiting for her to wake up, and they have a little moment, and it's very nice. Uh, Leota goes home to her wife, and they have a little moment, and it's very nice. Economos uh, goes back to work at Belle Reve, and that's kind of sad. You're, 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 you're playing that. You're playing that. Uh, you're really f- running past that. They don't just have a little moment. This is like a romantic moment. I didn't think it was a romantic moment. You don't think so? No, I thought it was a friend moment. 
I disagree. That, that I she think thought she was dying alone, and now she knows she's not alone. That she's part of a team. Not just that, but like he stayed out there for days. I don't know. It that's he, very and, intense. And for him, he's part of a team now. He like that's what he does now. He's part of this oh, team. Interesting. I think. I think it's definitely a romantic thing. I think that James Gunn is working his way towards his fiance having sex with John Cena on screen. I hope not because I don't want that. I know, but he loves that. Not, not, not the cuck thing, but like he loves. <laughs> well, maybe he does. I don't know. <laughs> maybe he does. Who knows? No, no judgments. No, right? no kink shame. Yeah. Uh, but I think that he likes romance. He does. He does. And I think that these characters have been established from the beginning to have a push pull thing. Yes. Where he's very into her and she's disgusted by him. And he loves that too. He loves yeah. that, that, um, uh, relationship as well. Yeah. Yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised if his vision for the show over like two or three seasons is to have the two of them get together at some point. I mean, they may not it last. probably is. It's very basic. Well, they won't take TV stuff, but I just, I would prefer that they did not. Personally, that's my feeling on it. But, uh, either way, uh, I kind of must goes back to work, which I thought was very sad. Well, it's interesting because it does it does raise a lot of questions because um, he he just goes back to Test Force X, right? So like well, he goes back or, to Bell Reeve, yeah, yeah. But like that's what he's doing there. He's not like he doesn't work for the prison. Well, you, you know what he is in the comics. What is he in the comics? He's the warden of Bell Reeve. Yeah, but he's definitely not the warden of Bell Reeve in the movies. No, Amanda Waller is, but Amanda Waller's probably out now. She's not the warden of Bell Reeve either. I think she is. Uh, do you think so? In the movies, I think so. I think that, that she that's part of her job description. I don't think so. I think but she's not really the warden of Bell Reeve, but she's the warden of Bell Reeve. I one, I disagree. I don't I think mean, we that. never see a warden, as far as I know, right? Well, no, we don't see the entire Oh no, I guess we do. Do we? Is it in the opening? Is it who comes No, she's the, the No, it's it's definitely she's uh, she is definitely just a government agent for Argus. I mean, that's it. She's not. But, but, but I'm saying in, in the opening of, of the gun suicide squad with the, uh, what's his name? Throwing the ball. And then somebody comes to get him. I can't remember if it's just a guard or if it's the warden. I thought it was just a guard, but there's just no way that she's the warden. Okay. Well, there's just no way she's an, she's a high level government intelligence agent, but I, she I'm doesn't saying have I time. Think her cover is warden. Like she's not doing the job of the warden. But that's her cover. I don't think so. I don't think she even hangs out at Bell Reeve. She does. She has a whole fucking base there. Well, that's where the that's where the Task Force X base is. Yeah, and that's where she runs. Mm. No, she runs Task Force X, but she runs Argus. Task Force X is part of Argus. So yeah. she might have an office when she comes to Bell Reeve to work with Task Force X. And they only mobilize Task Force X when they have a situation. It isn't yes. like just a oper- uh, constantly operational thing. Yes. So she spends most of her days probably in D.C. doing Argus business. And then when she has to go run a, when she has to go run an op, she goes down. She takes a flight down to Belle Reve and goes into her little office. Yeah, I don't disagree with that, up. but I still think that her, her cover is that she's the warden. She, well, I, think, I, think, her cover. No, I think that she's just an intelligence person. I think that you probably would see her name listed on some Justice Department list of like mm-hmm. names. I don't think Argus is secret. I think Argus is secret. In the comics, it is, or it was. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe in this universe, it's not. I mean, they're not very clear on that stuff. They're not really clear about it. No. Um, it's almost like they did the first Suicide Squad movie without really having a plan. Yeah, they definitely don't have a plan. Um, I'm here looking up Argus on 
the the DC extended wiki and there is no sense of what Argus's deal is. Yeah. I guess it's smart because they made that mistake with Marvel with shield. Yes. Yeah. So if you don't need to explain it, don't explain it. Yeah. Don't explain it. You don't need to explain it. Like only explain it when you need to. Down to, I mean, I've not seen the first Suicide Squad movie probably since it came out, but I think in that one, the explanation is that the Suicide Squad is put together post the death of Superman. It's it's hundred percent. It's about Superman. Yeah. Because Superman, um, the way that that movie makes it seem like is Superman is the first metahuman yeah. in a lot of ways. And they're like, if he came here and he was good, but what if he, what if somebody else came here and they were bad? Yeah. So that's the that's the angle on that. Yeah. And that's and that's why they put together Suicide Squad. Although I guess the Suicide Squad has metahumans on it, right? Yes. So he's not sort of the first. Maybe he's like the first. Well, they, like they, they. I mean, again, the beauty of the DCEU is. Two seconds after Man of Steel ends, they're like retcon everything. <laughs> so, like, by the way, Batman's been running around for thirty years. Yeah, so it's hard. It's hard. Clark Kent's it, never heard of Gotham, which is right next door. You know, yeah, it's like, it's hard. Yeah, it's hard to it's hard to fully understand because none of it makes any sense. But yeah. that was sort of the premise in the first Suicide Squad was that it becomes Task Force X gets activated because Superman is dead, and what if the next guy is as powerful as Superman and is yeah. a real problem? Yeah, and that's how that worked out. There you go. They were like, we got the uh, what's her face, Enchantress, and that did not go well for them. I feel like it has to be um, not secret because the news thing is like says that the head of Argus is running a secret supervillain program. Yeah, and I feel like that like you can't just have the thing on TV say the head of Argus. You'd have to like you say, turns out there's a secret supervillain, a, su- a secret superhuman operating group. And they're also running a secret supervillain group. Do you know what I mean? Like the yeah, way that the yeah. news reports talks about Argus just makes it seem too like much like people know what Argus is. Okay, I don't remember the, what the news. It just uh, it just has says. like a it just has like a Chiron where it says an Argus agent says. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Like, and so I mean, obviously that's for us, right? There, yeah. this is not necessarily we, we shouldn't take too much canon out of that. But I do feel like I, I don't know. I mean, like you know. Uh, the way that that was written just said to me that Argus is a thing that people know about. And I feel like you would want to have people know about Argus post-Justice League because you'd want to be assured that the government is, in fact, dealing with superhumans. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like you want to know there's this, a, 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 a part of the Justice Department that is dealing with superhuman stuff. Yeah. And this just makes sense. They probably formed sometime around 1984. In the comics or in the movie? In the movie. Is that, what, is that what is that? When, when Wonder Woman showed up and the entire world was taken oh, yes. over by a genie. That's exactly. And then everyone right. forgot about it. That's right. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, as you said before, it's better for them not to ever explicitly explain it until they need to yeah. because they want to let the story dictate how Argus actually works. Yes. Yeah. As opposed to a throwaway joke. Yeah. Isn't it crazy that in the first Iron Man, the joke is that the name Shield is stupid? Yes. It's amazing. Truly wild. It's insane. It's absolutely insane. It's almost as insane as the Avengers all of a sudden being named after Captain Marvel. A, a pretty wild. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's the thing that nobody's ever going to refer to again. Nope. Nope. Never bring that up again. <sighs> that or how Nick Fury lost his eye. Those things. Yeah, that's just ne- never be discussed again. Yes. Never be discussed again. Yep. Pretty dumb. All right. Pretty dumb. Is that anyway, that's our episode? Uh, nope. Oh, we got more. 
Yeah, we see uh, Judo Master shows up at the barn and is oh, eating right. uh, Flaming Hot Cheetos and crying over the death of all the butterflies. It's good that he's crying while eating the Cheetos. <laughs> so good. Yep. yep. Uh, and then we see Peacemaker and Vigilante out in the woods blowing up stuff. That's right. They, they're they they're blowing down again. Yep. Harcourt in rehab, learning to walk again. Yep. And then uh, Peacemaker, uh, the butterfly of Goff slash song, and Eagly are having breakfast when suddenly Peacemaker's dead dad sits next to him and smiles. And it's a very the- dark sequence because Goff is getting the last of the goo. Yeah, I thought about that. I was like, first off, that's a lot of goo to put out. Like, ease up on that. They, there's no way Goff can eat all the goo that he put out. That's crazy. And don't put it on the floor. Put it on a plate or something. Like, that's I don't gross. know, but that's it. That's the end of the goo. After that, Goff is done. In theory, it is. I, I mean, there's probably lots of the goo, actually. James left. Gunn said on Twitter it's the last of the goo. Okay, well, maybe we never see Goff again. Maybe season two opens with Goff's funeral. Goff starving to death. Yeah. <laughs> Peacemaker doing a euthanizing on Goff. Yeah. It's very dark. Finally, it's very, Eagle very gets dark. To eat, uh, gets to eat Goff. Maybe Eagly does get to eat Goff in the end. Maybe that's yeah. what Goff's wishes to be eaten by Eagly. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. We shall see. But that, that is the end. Is Peacemaker's dead dad sits next to him. All he sits next to him and smiles. Around what a show, Eagle. man. What a, what, a, what a terrific season of television this was. Yes, I agree. I agree. I I wish that the butterflies had a different purpose, but beyond that, I, because I, I just find I just find that like like we're gonna stop global warming, but we're the villains, and it's like I'm bored with that. I'd like something different because it's not even just superhero stuff. That's like every action movie now too is like Mission Impossible. We have to stop that guy from stopping global warming, and it's like okay, like let's do something different, like. You know, remember when Sauron just wanted to turn people into dinosaurs? That was fun. Why not? Mike and aliens yeah. just invade. Why not? I don't disagree, but I think that for this story, the bad guys needed to have a point because I think that that needed to be Peacemaker's arc. Was he needed to go from a guy that was willing to do anything for what he saw was right to a guy who will no longer believe that the ends justify the means but well here's my problem with that because that's james gunn said that on twitter is that this is peacemaker learning not to just follow orders he's just following orders his orders from the start were kill the butterflies and he still just kills the butterflies the switch i think would be he learns not to kill them oh i shouldn't kill these things i'm going against what argus and what uh Mern and, and and everybody told me to do but he doesn't he yeah there's a version yeah there's a version we had talked about this on the show. There's a version of this where they discover that the butterflies are actually very, very good. Yes. And that the reason why Argus wants to get rid of them is because Argus is bad, right? I mean, like yeah. that, there's a version of this where that's the case. Um, and I think that might have been an interesting version. I'm, I'm, I'm not against that. But I think that that version ends with um, Peacemaker having to mow down government agents. Yes. Which there's is- no way, I think there's no way around that. And I think that yeah. for his, both his arc and for- I, I, Actually, I, I think you could have a very similar ending where they reveal- what Argus is up to. And like, that's what he learns is, Oh, there are other ways to solve things other than violence. That's, that's not a, knows. yeah, that's not a good ending though. And then season two is the eighteen. Yeah. That's not a good ending though. I mean, like the thing is that this is a violent show. Like you want yes. the big a- action blowout yeah. and the show goes really far out of its way to establish that the people that he's killing are already dead. Yes. Yeah. Like it's gone no, very far that, out of its way. That's super, super clear. Yeah. yeah. And so I think that the thing is that this is a show. I think if the final episode was peacemaker, it was just like a remake of the Steven Spielberg movie, The Paper. 
where yeah. Peacemaker uh, delivers the Pentagon Papers to to the Washington Post. I don't think that that would That's work. I think that the paper. The paper is a. Oh, it's called the paper. It's called the Post. That's the Michael Keaton yeah. of the Post. Um, I think that wouldn't work. I think that would we would all have watched that episode and gone like. Well, I mean, thematically, I get it, but gosh, that's really disappointing because you really do want to see James Gunn operates in that space where you do want to really watch these characters kick ass, like, and yes. but also you want to talk about the philosophical and moral ramifications of that ass kicking. Yes, so yeah. I, I, I don't disagree. I think it would have been better that way, but I can't imagine an ending that doesn't involve Peacemaker gunning down federal agents, um, uh, and then yeah. thus, 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 thus negating his own journey about not wanting to kill people anymore. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So it's a, it's a sticky situation to end up in, you know. It is. It is. It's, I also it's just, think I, I'm I'm bored with you know the the people who want to save the world are also villains, and it's like have them be villains for a different reason. Like th- there's a thing in my head where it's like you know, hey, m- maybe constantly painting the people who want to stop global warming as evil is not the best move. Maybe we got. Well, yeah, I agree. I agree with that, but I do think that there's something. I think it's. I think it'd be really boring to watch a movie. I think we watched a lot of movies like this where the villain is just a villain and there's no moral element to the struggle. It's yeah. just a character yeah. beating up other characters. That's, that's mean, boring. Or you have like Die Hard and it's one of the greatest fucking action movies of all time. Yeah, but like. Right? I mean, the emperor is just evil in Star Wars. He doesn't like have any like. I'm going to make things better for Tatooine. No, he's just evil. I'm just evil. And it's great. It's a great story. It's fun. I guess. I just feel like superhero stories are different than both of those. Because I feel like in superhero Lex stories. just wants more land. I feel like in superhero stories, we know that the heroes can't die. Um, and as a result, what the question has to be always is what will this hero do or what will this hero be willing to lose to win? Yes, that has to be the question because it's never like, will this hero die? Because no, this hero will never die. No, and course, obviously yeah. neither neither is John McClane. But like the structure of that movie is such that like you feel John like McClane's not super powered being. Yeah, right. And even movie. in Star Wars, the heroes live, but like it's a, it's a war movie, and like characters yeah. do die. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like so, like but in superhero movies, you know these characters are all going to make it out in the end. So usually, what it usually the the stakes are is not are not like can we beat the guy? It is what will we what will we give up or what will we how far are we willing to go to beat the guy? Yeah. And it ends up being moral stakes. And it's harder to do moral stakes than the moral stakes in that it ends up being the end of No Way Home, where they had to stop Tobey Maguire from beating the Green Goblin to death. Yes. Yeah. Um, which is an interesting moral stake. You know what I mean? Like, are you willing to not kill your enemy? But I think we've done that a lot, too. I think we've done all these things a lot. That's actually the problem. We've done all of these stories a lot now. Yes. Yeah. There's only so many stories to tell. There are. There are. But but I, I just I feel like there's nothing wrong with sometimes a bad guy is just a bad guy. Right. And I, I think more and more, I, I appreciate the idea of having layered bad guys. Like, Hey, the bad guy right. should be layered. But when the answer to the layer is always like, actually what they're doing, they have good intentions, but they're doing it in evil ways. And it's like, well, just have them be evil. Like, that's okay. Sometimes, you know, sometimes it's okay to just, some people are just evil. That's cool. Like we'll play with that idea a little bit. But James Gunn doesn't believe that though, but he does. Cause Augie is just evil. That's part of the story as well. Is some people are just evil. It's there interesting, right? Some because bad people. So I think that gun. I think it's interesting. I think that gun thinks um, that most people are not evil. I think that he is wrestling with the idea that there are, especially I think after the last five years, he's yes. wrestling with the idea of oh maybe there are some people who are just bad. Like they're not well, just like sick or confused. Yeah. They're yeah. bad. And like Song's and, speech to Peacemaker 
is just James Gunn being frustrated with the world today. Right. I mean, down to she's she's like a second away from being like, just get fucking vaccinated, you bastards. Like, right. Yeah. Like, yeah. You yeah. Know, I'm surprised that the Snyder bros aren't mad about that. You know what I mean? Like that it's like so political right there. Because um, she, yeah, she basically calls out Donald Trump, right? I mean, like, so like, but I think that that is. I don't is, think the Snyder bros are very political, are they? I've never seen much politics from them. I always feel like they're like kind of like right wing cro types. They're like. I, I, I think there's probably a, aspects of that in there, but like they, like, I don't think they look at these movies in political formats so much. No, I agree. That's why they hate when the characters talk about liberal politics or when they put women or black people in them. Well, no, no, I no, that's not fair to the Snyder bros. They, they like one of their big things is cyborg is like, Hey, he got mistreated. He deserves better is one of their big things. Like, you know. see, so I have this very cynical take about a lot of people on the internet. Yeah. Which I think a lot of people on the internet are really bad faith actors and that they don't actually mean a lot of the things they say, but they yes. know that they can win with the things they say. Yeah. So I don't know that whether or not the Snyder Bros support Ray Fisher and Cyborg is because they are for representation in movies, or because they know that the people they hate are the people who talk about representation in movies. I, I, and I so mean, thus, there, there's some A, there's some B. Like it's not an all or nothing, which is one of the endless problems of the internet is we look at everything as this group is this. And it's like, no, like everything, there's right. different I mean, levels of these things. Yeah, this when we, when we talk about Snyder Bros, that has become a very weird term because I'm not even sure what that means in 2022 at this point. Yeah. Because I'm not even sure like if those people followed him to army of the dead so much yeah. as they are Snyderverse bros. No. Yeah. They're, they're just about the, the DC stuff. And that's what they're really all as about. As far as I can just tell. Like I, yeah. I, I, it, you know, we still see constant Snyderverse DC stuff. No one's ever talking about army of the dead on Twitter. No, there's no Army of the Dead meme or like there's yeah. no when you when people pile on people they don't like, like, like Army of the Dead, Army of the Dead was coming out they were pushing right Snyderverse like oh let's get that like let's you know everyone watches so that they'll restore the Snyderverse and right yeah. right exactly let's get, let, let let's give let's give more yeah, power to Snyder. Snyder still pushes his DC, DC stuff more than he pushes anything else well because he knows that's what gets his base riled up yeah so. Um, but yeah, I, I, it, I honestly, I don't think, I don't think the majority of Snyder, the Snyder cult people, are, uh, pl- maybe not even politically minded. But, but I also don't think that they're coming from places of like racism or anything like that. I, I think that there is a part of them that that thinks that Ray Fisher was uh, mistreated, and he was. I mean, there's no doubt that he was mistreated. Yeah, what a great, what a great season! Come back for season two. Um, I'm very, very fucking excited about. I really hope season two is a team. That's what I, that's in my mind. That's what it's going to be is they're on the run. And like Wallers put together a team of supervillains to go hunt them down or something. Maybe who knows? There's not, there's not really any meaningful peacemaker stories to adapt. Nope. The one thing we do know is that Bane's not in it. Yeah, I know that the fucking giant robot or whatever made that story up, and James Gunn just spanked him. Don't make up stories about James Gunn projects. He'll just sm- he'll just spank you. Yes, and what's amazing is the Bane thing. This is like the third time that has been claimed where it's like Bane's going to be like that was Bane's in season one of Peacemaker, and he's like, no, he's not. He's not in season one of Peacemaker. And then they're like, no, he is. He's like, I'm telling you, he's not. And now this, like, he's in season two. <laughs> it's like, fucking stop it, stop. Yeah, truly. What are you doing? Truly. Like, if you just ask James Gunn on Twitter, he'll tell you. Yeah. That's all. But you can't yeah. get the headline out of that. 
Even though you can, because James Gunn is constantly answering questions on Twitter, and every other site is getting headlines out of it all the time. But everybody wants to be able to claim that they're breaking news, and nobody. The thing is, we talked about on Watchmen how things have changed from my day. Yeah, and one of the big ways that things have changed from my day, also besides the fact that there's no voices anymore in the fan world, there's voices obviously in film criticism, um, yeah. but not in the fan world. There's no voices anymore because everybody's scoopers. Yeah. One and two. Um, the other you thing has changed. Negative. Well, it can't be negative, but the other thing that's changed, though, is that there's no blowback for being wrong anymore. Yes. They just keep pu- pu- posting your shit on Reddit, even yeah. if you say the dumbest shit and you're wrong every single time. Yeah. And then they fight on Reddit about whether or not you're wrong, but everybody clicks your shit anyway. Well, it's great because like on Reddit, somebody will put up like, Grace Randolph said this. We all know she's full of shit, but we should discuss it. And it's like, why? Right. Why would you exactly. discuss it? Like, But that's the thing is that when I was running this sh- – when I was running Scoops – I was really interested in being correct. Like I did yeah. not want to run bullshit. I didn't make things up. Like John was making things up. That's the craziest thing to me is sitting there and I've never been, I don't know most of the old school scoopers and I, I don't know any of the new school scoopers, but watching is like random people like Marvel fan 95, who's got seven seventy two followers on Twitter said that he got this scoop and people are discussing it as if it's a real thing. And then like, uh, uh, El Mayindi will come out with something where he's like, here's the evidence. Here's my stuff. I've got it on the wrap. And people are like, he just makes shit up all the time. It's like, he doesn't. <laughs> like, yeah, it's like, crazy. He literally, I, this is his career. Like, he I have known Umberto for a very long time. Umberto has gotten things wrong. Sure, of course. Um, but Umberto is a guy with sources and who actually works, does the work for it. And that's yeah. why he got hired at the wrap, which is a trade paper. Yeah. Like that's why he's not just running his own little thing. He got yeah. hired by the rap and he runs actually he does actual entertainment news now yes. because he actually gets information and tries to get it. You know, I mean like there's guys like um you know Frosty at Collider. Um Frosty and I had a very similar ethic which was that we wouldn't run anything unless we could second source it. Sure. Yeah. And there's two reasons. One, you don't want to burn your source. So if yes. only if, if you're only hearing from one person, it might be traceable back to that one person. Yeah. But if you're hearing from two people, that means that they can't trace it back to an individual. Yeah. But also when you get a second source, that means it's more likely to be true because you have two different people telling you the same information. Yeah. I remember when I was your source once. Yes, you've I've used a source, yeah. Yep. I mean, but you have to second source. And yep. you know, you can't you can't just get an email from a guy. I get emails still. Sure. And I think a lot of them are probably – some of them are true, I think, and some of them are real. Yeah. Um, and some of them I run by people I know so that I yeah. can go, is that is that real? And they'll go, yeah, that's real. Um, and I think that's really important though is to second source it. Yes, you have to. You have to. I agree. I agree with oh, that well. very much. And All also right. if it comes from like 8chan, just don't pay any attention. Just don't bother. I mean, it's crazy that people are like, oh, 4chan is a, a, a synopsis of Doctor Strange too. Like, yeah, okay. Yeah. And? Yeah. It's right next to gape porn. I mean, like, come on, like, let's just move, let's move it along, guys. All right, that's this episode of Marvel Vision for Peacemaker. We loved it. Yeah, a fantastic show. I, we loved every episode. I'm sure it's not going to, but I really feel like it's a show that deserves uh, Emmys for acting and writing and directing. But It'd be great if it happened, but it won't happen. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't be overly surprised if HBO pushes it for that. I'm sure they contractually have to, but yeah. But even if they weren't contractually have to, like it has gotten such good reviews and such good feedback that they might be like, hey, maybe we can get something out of this, right? Get a couple of awards, you know. And I think it. Obviously, I don't watch everything that comes out, but I think it deserves some recognition. You know, 
I don't, I don't disagree. Um, I almost bought a Peacemaker action figure this weekend, but I didn't. That really says a lot about how this show has impacted you. I did not buy it because he did not come with his helmet. I was like, what the fuck? Yeah, that's wrong. Yeah. What the fuck? McFarlane toys. Why doesn't he have his helmet? That's crazy. Yeah. Um, All right. We're going to be taking a little bit of a break on this program. Uh, We have a little bit of a a slow period coming up, but there's not going to be any Marvel show. There's not going to be any DC show. Yeah. So we're going to take a couple of weeks off. We'll be back when Moon Knight begins, or maybe a little bit before. We might come in and drop an episode before then um, if we get antsy. But we have a lot of other podcasts that we do. So yeah. I think we'll take the opportunity to take the free one uh, as a little bit of a vacation. After doing four, five, six, seven, eight hours of podcasting in the last three days. I'm a little tired. It's a lot. So um, we're going to take a little bit of time off. We'll be back. Don't, don't, don't unsubscribe. We'll be back. Talking about Moon Knight. Very excited. Maybe we're very, very excited. The week before Moon Knight, we do a Q&A episode because people really like the Q&A episode. Maybe a Q&A or if there's a big news thing that drops, we'll do an emergency episode to sure. like talk sure. about it or whatever. We don't have to do a full hour. We can do like 15, 20 minutes, right? Yeah. Um, so because, you know, again, this is the free feed. So like, you know, it's just a bonus for you. It's just nice yeah. to have. Wait, free? Um, where, where do you pay? Well, if you wanted to listen to our not free shows, The Bad Batch, the weekly Star Wars TV show podcast or the or Watchmen, our monthly superhero movie deep dive podcast. We'll be doing um Watchmen is doing Watchmen this week. I'll have it up. And then next yep. month we're gonna be doing the doing, Batman. Doing Gabe Watchmen. <laughs> uh then we have the the Batman coming up in a couple of weeks. So we'll be doing on that. That's five dollars a month, and you get all of our podcasts and all of my writing for that. It's a pretty good deal. Um that's available at www.patreon.com slash cinema sanga S-A-N-G-H-A. Did you see the um, Sangha magazine I found over the weekend? No. At my laundromat, there is a magazine. I put it on Twitter. I can't remember the name of it. I, I thought about adding you on it, and I was like, no, it's either he'll see it or he won't. But now I'm going to tell you about it. It's uh, Tricycle, the Buddhist yeah. Review. Yeah, I summer, subscribed to that magazine. Summer 1994 issue. That's pretty wild. I subscribed yeah. to that magazine. Do you? Well, this issue, the summer 1994 issue, had articles like 3D Dharma, the first computer mandala. Yeah. Uh, which they had a picture of it. Uh, comparative illusions, uh, Jaron Lanier, Lanier, I'm not sure how you pronounce it, on the potential of virtual reality. Mm-hmm. A resource roundup of Cyber Sangha. And okay. There you go. There you go. Wow. Three, three articles, 1994, all about the coming internet and what it would mean for, for Buddhism. Good for them. Yeah. Good for them. All right. Dirk, where can, they, where can they find your tweeting about Tricycle, the Buddhist Review? They can find me on Twitter at WH underscore Woolhat. You can find me on Twitter at Devin CF. We'll see you guys again in a couple of weeks, or unless you come visit us on our other podcasts. But until then, may you be happy, may you be safe, may you be, may you be, ha- may you be happy, may you be safe, may you be well, may you be healthy. I do it in different orders every single time. But most of all, may you remain a true believer.